But you said we would never to touch the controls. Quite right, Jamie. Welcome to the TARDIS. Thank you. You're doing so well impersonating me. Uh, I thought I might return the compliment. And Giles Kent? Unfortunately, didn't survive the explosion. We're going to put you outside, Salamander. No friends, no safety, nothing. You'll run, but they'll catch up with you. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we're going to be watching... Oh, oh, it feels so good to say that, Caleb. Oh, we're going to be watching... watching. We're going to be watching The Enemy of the World. (laughs) Enemy of the World was written by David Whitaker, was directed by Barry Letts, was produced by Eines Lloyd. And uh, here's a piece of trivia I'll go ahead and give you now. This is the last episode that Eines Lloyd produced. Hmm. Good old Eines. You will be good missed. Good old Eines. He actually oversaw a very good arc, I think. So? He did. Uh, he Because he oversaw the very, very end of First Doctor and the big... Be- all of second up until now mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's it's been a pretty pretty good era um speaking of eras it aired december 23rd 1967 to january 27th 1968 we're in the 68th baby boom enemy of the world is an episode that i've been looking forward to because i said last time i ended i mean not if you fucking heard it but <laughs> <laughs> Not if you heard it, but uh, at the end, I said that uh, this episode pushed uh, Patrick Troughton's acting chops to its limit, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to watching this one. It is another sixer, unfortunately. But uh, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the title of this episode, The Enemy of the World, what do you think this episode's going to be about? <sighs> I have an instinct... <laughs> And it's so flagrantly wrong, I almost don't want to say. Well, well, here's something that might help you. Because do you recognize David Whittaker? Uh, I mean, yes, but remind me, because I don't keep track of it. Edge of Destruction, Rescue, Crusade, Power of the Daleks, Evil of the Daleks. Hmm. Because my instinct is, and like this is only like, you know, 20 years after this would have happened. <laughs> but... The doctor and his companions find themselves in 1939 Germany, where the doctor realizes, I can stop the Holocaust. And they go back in time and beat up Hitler. (laughs) And uh, it's going to be about that time, so this is also the episode where Jamie leaves, I think. You're calling it now? You think this is the episode where Jamie leaves? I think this is the episode where Jamie leaves. Hmm. Okay, we'll see if you're right. After after he beats up Hitler, he's like, you know what? I'm leaving on a high note. (laughs) That would definitely be a high note. <laughs> Not to give too much of a spoiler, there is an episode in New Who titled Let's Kill Hitler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're skipping to that one. <laughs> the doctor's like, you know what? This one time we can change history. <laughs> isn't, isn't there an episode? Uh, 
reference Futurama so fucking much in this episode, in this show. Uh, isn't there an episode where, like, they're going through time and, like, they can't go back in time, they can only go forward in time, and then they reach the end of the universe, and then it just kind of loops back in and they start at the beginning of the universe, so they figure if they go forward enough, they can get forward back to where they were. And, like, as they're going through the time tunnel, the professor, like, leans out and, like, fires a gun trying to kill Hitler. And he does, and then he lands, but, like, they're still too far ahead, so they're like, oh, fine, let's go again. <laughs> so they go through the heat death of the universe again, <laughs> go to the beginning. He's like, wait, wait, let me try it again. And he shoots, and he misses, and it's JFK. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do remember that episode, and yes, that's actually one of the very, very good, because, like, that was supposed to be one of the last, like, the first last episode of Futurama, I think. I think it was the second last episode of Futurama. Nah, it's too hard to keep track of. The first last episode was when, uh, Fry, uh, writes his opera. Oh, that's right. Probably one of the best episodes, honestly, where he and the devil switch hands. <laughs> they keep... Touching things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get around. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking Futurama, uh, and I was thinking, um, oh, fuck, what was it called? The stupid YouTube movie that came out. I can hack you back in time. I have no idea what you're talking about. What? Oh, my God. Not even called? a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. I am, I am no help it, to you here. It's a, oh, fuck. All right, internet, help me. It's like a 30-minute short film that came out on YouTube about a... Um, like a 1980s karate cop who was struck by lightning and bitten oh, by Cobra at the same oh, time. Oh, 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 oh. It's got um, Triceracop in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, Kong Fury, I can hack you back in time. You strapped me down and forced me to watch it Clockwork Orange style, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, I did, actually. And it was worth it. <laughs> but also, the point of that is they go back in time to kill Hitler. I was like, is this finally the sequel to Kung Pao Enter the Fist? And you're like, yes, but uh, no, actually, nothing like that. <laughs> yes but no all of that to say i think they're gonna kill hitler okay and uh the new who one was like that was actually so fun let's just do it again oh man that would be so good and then in new who the new who doctor and his companions team up with the second doctor jamie <laughs> and victoria <laughs> yes but everything you're telling me implies that they don't do that this episode i mean there could be a I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but we'll 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 see. We'll see. Well, stay tuned. Stay tuned. But uh, yeah, on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was five days for us. Six and five is a good clip. I think so. I think October's so. October's a big month for us. We're just banging through these. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk about this episode. It was so fucking good. Yeah, Mac <laughs> messages me fucking two days after we're done recording the Ice War. What, what was the last one we recorded? It was, the, it was the Ice Warriors, yeah. It was, the, it was two days after recording the Ice Warriors, and Mac is like, do not take forever to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> do not fuck me on this, Clark. We need to watch this. <laughs> and uh, I did pretty good. Yeah, yeah. G- just general thoughts. What, what are your general thoughts about uh, the enemy of the world? 
general thoughts of the enemy world oh man it was awesome <laughs> it was it, it was very very good and it finally elevated beyond that like yeah it's good for the time to just i just really liked it just it was just good television it is spoilers i guess but it for my final thoughts but it was kind of picking my top five for the doctor is out is gonna be so fucking hard because we already have a three-way tie for my number one spot <laughs> oh this this is even close this is hands down my favorite episode but no it, it, it was awesome this is hands down my favorite episode of this doctor and uh so far it's my favorite episode so far period i, I, I was gonna ask i was like did it outrank the war machines Oh, handily. And did it outrank whatever your favorite second Doctor was before this? I think Power of the Dogs is probably my favorite before this. Yeah. And yeah, most definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But uh, I, I've got a few quips, but like they are like very minor. I'm not even entirely sure I have that, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, let's just let's let's dive right in. Let's let's yeah. Let's cut into this juicy steak. Yeah, let's get into it. The Enemy of the World, Episode 1. The TARDIS arrives on a beach, and the Doctor is eager to go for a swim. While in the ocean, a group of men spot him and immediately recognize him. Like any sensible people, they instantly want to kill him. After being pursued by these men, the Doctor and his companions are saved by a woman named Astrid, and she brings them to her boss, Giles Kent. Kent informs the Doctor that he looks just like Roman Salamander, a charismatic leader Kent is convinced is trying to become dictator of the world. Kent asks the Doctor to impersonate Salamander in an attempt to unravel his plans, but the Doctor is unsure of committing to the plan without evidence. Kent then receives a phone call and learns that Bruce, Salamander's chief of security, is on his way. It turns out Kent secretly tipped Bruce off to force the Doctor to comply. Bruce comes in and questions Kent and Astrid about the dead men found at Astrid's home. And the doctor emerges, dressed as Kent. Dressed, dressed as Salamander. Salamander. <laughs> My you god, there were two I... Kents. <laughs> I told that last sentence, I was doing pretty good on that one. Yeah, not bad. I like how in Ice Warriors, it was like a s solid good couple of minutes before the doctor and the TARDIS arrived. This one, right off the bat. Here's the doctors, here's the TARDIS, here's the Doctor Who beach episode you've all been wanting. Listen. Everyone has wanted to see Troughton in a swimsuit. Well, they're going to have to keep waiting because he just stripped down to his long johns <laughs> and just dived into the ocean. <laughs> Listen, long john swimsuits were all the rage in 1960s England. I think that was just underwear at that point. <laughs> I think it's funny because the area that they're they're in right now is called uh, Australasia. And um, I'm assuming it's when... All of Asia came to put aside their differences, became one uh, country, and then decided to annex uh, Australia, obviously. <laughs> and to really drive home that this is the Australia area, one of the characters who is, like, chasing after the doctor uh, speaks with an Australian accent. Or at least what the actor thinks is an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was something. It was it was a little rough. <laughs> you think Americans doing Australian accents is bad? Wait until you hear a British person try and do it. I didn't even think they were that different. I can't do an Australian accent to save my life. The first thing I immediately appreciate about this episode, or like the first note I really took was so 
the doctor is just super excited by beach water for some reason and instantly wants to go for a swim. He's at the beach! There's these dudes in this, like, hover car just watching him with binoculars. <laughs> and they're like, yep, that's him. Our years of waiting have come to fruition. Let's go kill that guy. And I thought, finally, sensible people who see the doctor and instantly recognize him for the threat he is. <laughs> it would be kind of interesting if it was if they were like, yep, that's the doctor. <laughs> Let's end this shit before it begins. <laughs> so the hovercraft is like coming towards them. And uh, the doctor explains to him what a hovercraft is. And Jamie calls it a fairy tale as if he didn't just step off of a time machine after fighting a whole bunch of lizard men during the Ice Age. Yeah, Jamie, at this point, you gotta just kind of believe anything. What is your definition of a fairy tale at this point, Mr. McCrimmon? <laughs> He's seen bigger things fly. He's been from Earth to space. We did land in Australia, and a group of men did get into their car and immediately chase them down and start firing on them. Uh, so... At this current moment in time, we're in Mad Max. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we're in sci-fi Mad Max, which is something the show has not really been like. I really cannot emphasize this episode and a few others in the story, how just fucking action-packed it is. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god, like it opens like a, a car chase, basically. A lot of this uh, story just feels like just a spy thriller, which is cool yep. as fuck. <laughs> I know. I want, I, want, I want more of this. I have a feeling it's not going to be like this a lot, but I want more of it. I mean, I'm not going to say one way or the other. <laughs> but I do like how uh, the three of them hide, and Victoria says, perhaps we've landed in a world of madmen. And the doctor says, they're human beings, if that's what you mean, indulging in their favorite pastime of trying to kill one another. Yeah, base doctor. That's That's something for the trailer. Right there. <laughs> and then they're saved by a woman named... Oh, right Right before we get to Astra, though. Um, they're hiding, and one of the guys is, like, close by, but, like, they're still hiding so they can't see him. And then Jamie just lets out a fucking war cry and tackles the man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> knocks him out. And I was like, yeah, my note is, hell yeah, Jamie, kick his ass. <laughs> Mac and I have been writing that note a lot. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good episode. And then Astrid appears to save them. And uh, my first note on Astrid is MILF. Yes. Uh, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way because I feel like I'll bring it up every time. But there are some fucking babes in this episode. <laughs> yes, we meet Astrid. But more importantly, we meet Astrid's pants. Yes. Because she has some primo future pants, let me tell you. <laughs> primo future pants. There's something about like her very high color vest too that, I don't know. It was awesome. Could have done without the beehive hairdo, but... It's fine. Oh, see, I was kind of all about the beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the actress who plays Astrid, her name is Mary Peach. Uh, she agreed to be in this episode because, and only because, her kids refused to believe that she was a real actress unless she appeared in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I want a daytime Emmy. It's like, that's cool, Mom. When are you going to be in Doctor Who? <laughs> Basically. When are you going to get a real job and be on this Doctor Who show? <laughs> Astrid rescues them in the helicopter. The doctor looks back and sees that uh, the date of inspection was 2018, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's also funny because, like, Jamie is, like, scared in this thing. And yeah. he's like, oh, it's a helicopter. It's a primitive flying machine. <laughs> 
Aster just looks over him like, what? Yeah, I do kind of enjoy how freaked out Jamie and Victoria are by the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment. Um, So Aster takes them back to her house and she kind of explains that you look like Roman, is it Raymond, Roman? He looks like Salamander, who is a very bad dude, according to her and this guy named Kent. And she's like, I'll take you to Kent and he'll explain everything. And then the guys show up and they have to hide again. And then they steal her helicopter and then it just fucking blows up. (laughs) Yeah. So as they're flying away, one of the guys shoots at it and apparently hit her fuel tank. And then just like a couple of moments later, she lands safely at her house. And I was like, either they needed to add some tension to the flight scene or they shouldn't have bothered mentioning the tank at all because this doesn't doesn't really add anything to it. And then later, the guys steal her helicopter and it explodes. And I'm like, oh, that's why they mentioned shooting the fuel tank. So we can have a (laughs) sick-ass explosion and kill three people at once. (laughs) It was great. It was incredible. This this story is so fucking violent. It's amazing. (laughs) The doctor asks if, uh, because he's wondering why those men were shooting at him. They clearly think he's a bad man. And he asks Astrid, you don't think I'm a bad man, do you? And Astrid says, I think you're the most marvelous and wonderful man I've ever f- that's ever fallen out of the sky. And the doctor just has like a huge grin. And she says, will you do something for me? And the doctor's like, anything, anything at all. <laughs> I was like, he is so fucking easy. <laughs> God, you just have to say one nice thing to him and he'll do anything for you. Something Kent refuses to learn throughout the arc. <laughs> right. Astrid takes them to Kent, and Kent shows them a video of Salamander to prove how much the Doctor looks like him. Mm -hmm. And he seems like this kind of, like, egalitarian, like, I want to save the world from all these natural disasters. Uh, And I wrote down, (laughs) my description of Salamander was climate change Hitler. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically Hitler, but instead of, like, the Third Reich, he did did a climate change. (laughs) Yeah. If I remember correctly, wasn't your prediction, like... They would go back in time and kill Hitler. And kills Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving myself a solid 50% on this That's one. why when you give your description, I was like... Um, um. <laughs> You're wrong. But only kinda. They kill a Hitler stand-in. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. I love all the 60s-ass furniture in this house that's supposed to be set in, the, in 2018. Oh, I know. It's fucking great. Uh, I do also like how when they're shown the footage of Salamander, the doctor is, uh, I don't know, he uh, he seems like a relatively stand-up chap and quite handsome, too, if I do say so myself. What do you think, Jamie? (laughs) 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 Which I guarantee you is ad-libbed by Patrick Trouton. (laughs) 100%. And then the head of security comes in, and I was like, can this SS-looking motherfucker be any more evil? Oh, I know. He's got this fucking, like, leather trench coat. Yeah. This big baton. He's, like, wearing black gloves, and he has a baton on him at all times, and he has just, like, the perfectly round glasses, and he just has a perpetual frown on his face. Plot twist. He's a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah plot twist. Lots of plot twists in this arc, too. There are a lot of plot twists, and... That's one of the things I love about it, because it has plot twists that I legit did not see coming. And that has not happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They were a lot more subtle about it, but you can still kind of like see it coming. So like, 
Kent wants the doctor to impersonate Salamander. He's not so sure about it. So he actually secretly contacts Bruce and kind of forces him to impersonate Salamander, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty good prelude to where his character goes. No spoilers yet, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's one of the few times where I'm like, ah, I don't want to spoil the rest of this episode. <laughs> because yeah, I, I, have, know, huh? I have things to say, but I'm like, oh, but like... This, this is one of the few times I'm going to tell our listening audience, stop listening to this podcast. Stop listening to this podcast and go find a way to watch Enemy of the World and then come back because it's really good and you don't want us spoiling it for you. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll give it the Caleb certified because most of the time I'll be like, no, 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 no. Just like read it on the wiki. Don't, don't waste your time actually watching Doctor Who. But I agree. You should actually watch this episode because it's very good. Yeah. Go watch Enemy of the World because it's really enjoyable. And then come back and listen to us ramble about it. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, that's all I had for episode one. That's all I've got, too. Well, that I can't talk about until spoilers <laughs> become prevalent. All right, so we're moving on to episode two. Bruce is shocked to see the doctor posing as Salamander. He reminds Salamander that he and Kent are sworn enemies, and he can't understand what the leader is up to. After he leaves, the doctor begrudgingly agrees to have Jamie and Victoria join Astrid on a covert operation to Salamander's base. Cut to the real Salamander, who's having a meeting with a man named Dinesh and Fedorn. Salamander tries to convince them that earthquakes will devastate the region, but Dinesh is unconvinced. When the man leaves, Salamander offers to give Fedorin control of the region if he helps him get rid of Dinesh. At that moment, Jamie appears and pretends to thwart an assassination attempt. In thanks, Salamander gives him and Victoria jobs at the estate. Jamie works for security, and Victoria works in the kitchens. An earthquake devastates the region, and Dinesh accuses Salamander of somehow controlling it. Salamander has him arrested as a traitor. My description was short, which kind of implies that not a lot happened in this episode. But this is actually one of those episodes where there is a lot of talking. And it's actually kind of fucking interesting. It's actually fun to listen to, yeah. What's funny is that this is the episode that has the fewest number of notes. But it's, again, one of those situations in which I was just so enjoying watching it. I didn't want to distract myself by writing down notes. (laughs) Yeah, very much agree. And it's, it's also cool because you're seeing Patrick Troughton play two characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like this episode and the next episode because it really de-emphasizes the Doctor. Yeah, the Doctor's barely in it. Especially the next episode. like It's like just about Victoria and Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome, actually. Yeah, because the Doctor's whole role in the plan of taking down Salamander is dependent entirely on him impersonating Salamander. So until he's convinced that that's a good thing to do, he doesn't have anything to do. And Jamie and Victoria are working on getting evidence to prove that Salamander is a bad person, so it kind of has to focus on characters other than the Doctor. But Patrick Troughton still gets to shine, and his accent work also gets to come through. Yeah, it's just, it's good. It's just good. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I'm pissed at how good this episode is. Yeah, I know. I'm not gonna lie. If all the other episodes after this aren't at least this good, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I do like how at the very top, the doctor is pulling the wool over Bruce's eyes. And Bruce is just like, oh, okay, sir, I suppose I'll leave. And like right before he leaves, he like points at Jamie and says, you say your name is Jamie McCrimmon. I keep my eye on you. And then he leaves. And Jamie's just like, what the fuck did I do? What the... <laughs> <laughs> Bruce secretly hates Scottish people. I wouldn't put it past him. 
And I do really like the idea of using an imposter to undermine Salamander. I do also think that this deception is very easy to break. Yes. I mean, spoilers for like an episode or two later, but yeah, Bruce just asks Salamander a question. And oh, look at that. Deception's broken. (laughs) Yep. Broken before it even really began. Yeah. (laughs) And watching the scene with... uh, salamander and uh demish and the other guy i was just how salamander was talking it was clear that his ego is somehow just as big as the doctor's so if anyone could imitate salamander it would be the doctor he's definitely got the attitude down i think uh i think one of the things i like about this was i think salamander is a good kind of foil to the doctor Mm -hmm. and one of the things i do kind of like but also wish there was more of was actual interaction between the doctor and salamander yeah yeah they don't they only actually meet once yes and it and it's awesome but it's a great scene <laughs> i i think i would have this is a, the first episode why i actually think i could have used another episode <laughs> i know right <laughs> like straight up i watched six episodes of this i was like i actually wish this was a little longer yeah like just a smidge <laughs> and then jamie just does a great fake rescue and i'm just like oh this episode just a fucking spy movie and i love all of it oh god (laughs) this doctor who just suddenly became burn notice and i'm all about it (laughs) yeah it was awesome like astrid has like this like fake bomb thing Uh uh-huh so like jamie like sneaks onto salamander's balcony he's like look out and like pretends to throw this bomb away and then it blows up and jamie's like oh good thing i was here yeah salamander's like yeah good thing you fucking were my guards are useless yeah he's like how did you get here anyway? Oh, I snuck past your guards because they suck. <laughs> He's like, you got a good point, kid. You want to be a guard? <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me think of that beautiful thing where like the FBI hires people who hack into their databases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is good policy, I think. I think so. And yeah, then my last note is the episode's moving along at such a good pace and I'm enjoying watching it so much. So I don't have a whole lot else to, I don't have a whole lot of notes to take. Yeah, and, like, there's been just enough world building where, like, the politics of the conversations doesn't go over your head. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Troughton is, like, such a convincing villain. And he's, yeah. like, so charismatic and also flagrantly evil. It's just interesting. And, like, all the characters are very distinct and actually have, like, motivations. Yeah. That's something that also struck me about this episode, which, again, I don't think we've ever seen before. I like all of the side characters. Mm-hmm. they're all good characters uh, I, I like them in the sense of like wow they're distinct and they feel like kind of vaguely real they're all well written yeah there's some mm-hmm. some of them are scum but like but they're good scum they're all well written scum <laughs> <laughs> and then uh sa- sadly my favorite character of the arc only has one episode which character is that the cook in the next episode oh my god i knew you were gonna love him and i have so much to say about him <laughs> oh my god he's amazing absolutely pointless they could have done the whole fucking episode without him and it would have been to a disservice because this guy is amazing <laughs> the show's about him moving forward i'm just saying it that that's that's the only way i'm going to continue watching doctor who is if it's all about griff the cook <laughs> oh god uh, but we're not talking about Griff yet. We're talking about this. Let's talk about Faria. Oh, yeah. One. Babe. Babe. Absolute babe. Absolute babe. Uh, also, she, she's Salamander's food taster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way she reveals that is kind of funny. 
Uh, she's like talking to Fedoran after the meeting, and he and she's like, "Can I offer you a drink?" Uh, and he's like, "Sure." And he's like, "So what is it you do around here?" And he's like, "Oh, I taste and drink all of Salamander's food." And he like spits it out. <laughs> and and three, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. She's the first black character who's actually had like character. <laughs> yeah, character and character that didn't like necessarily like lean in the racist stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Before then, we had Kemal and. Toberman, who had like two lines between the two of them, and now we got we got Faria, who's fucking awesome, <laughs> fucking awesome, and has like you know stuff to do while she's in the episode. Yeah, I keep complaining like episode and story. Remind me, is it supposed to be the story is the individual episodes, or the story is like the overarching thing? I call story the overarching thing, but okay. but I also confusingly kind of use story and inter- and episode interchangeably. Which is confusing to me, so I can only assume it's also confusing to our listeners. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, now we've clarified. The episodes are the individuals. The story is the big thing. Yes. I try to call it a story whenever I remember, and I try to catch myself and try to correct myself. I'm like, I mean, story. In my mind, it's episodes, little e, is the individual episodes. <laughs> and then there's the episode, big E, and it's up to you, the listener, to decide what that is. <laughs> you need to hear the capitalization. <laughs> But yeah, I similarly don't have many notes on this episode, mostly because like it is a lot of politicking, but it is very interesting, I think. I am curious, if this was an audio episode, do you think we would enjoy it as much as we do now? Because there is a lot of politicking and talking back and forth, which we've complained about in the past. But is it because we can actually see them that it's not nearly as big of an issue? Yeah, I think, I, I do think the visual element helps. Not so much just because of the politicking, but... This is an episode where a lot of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of visual elements to this story, and I think a lot. I think a lot of that is lost in the audio. Like I feel like if we'd seen like the Yetis, probably wouldn't have hated it as much. Maybe, maybe they made a uh, an animated trailer for the DVD that came out recently. I sent it to you. I'm not sure if you watched it. I watched the trailer and I'm like, no, no, still looks boring. Still looks boring. <laughs> Still exploring. I don't know. I, I do think something is, like, really lost. Because, like, the narration isn't always complete. Yeah. In the sense of, like, isn't paint the scene all that well. Yeah. So, no, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if it was the audio thing. But, uh, again, I think that's the limitation of the way they do it. Yeah. That being said, most of the audio episodes still suck. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, weren't the episodes lost in, like, a fire or something? I think there were a couple that may have been lost in fire, but mostly it was, it was chucked because they didn't bother holding on to stuff because they didn't really do reruns or in home video certainly wasn't a thing so it was just taking up space in the bbc studios so like we don't need this yeet i'm just saying i feel like a lot of the episodes that were lost were very selective i feel like it's not a coincidence that a lot of the episodes the audio episodes are bad <laughs> and the ones that aren't aren't a lot of the episodes that they've gotten back like the episodes that are now complete that weren't before are because they were sent like internationally copies of it were sent internationally for broadcast around the globe which i think this was one of those episodes or stories wasn't it yes it was because up until like not too long ago there was only like one episode of enemy of the world that was intact and now the whole thing is restored because like in 2012 i think it was they found just like a huge cache of doctor who episodes I forget where, but I think it was somewhere in Africa. They just found a huge cache of Doctor Who episodes, and they're like, where has this been? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, episode three. 
Anyway, episode three, yeah. Uh, you can tell we don't have much to say anymore because we're talking about <laughs> things that aren't the episode. Uh, again, short description, but there is actually a lot that happens in this episode. Salamander blackmails Fedoran into, and convinces him to help him kill Dinesh. Bruce is surprised to see Jamie working for Salamander's guard, and Victoria works with Griffin, the greatest character to ever exist ever. Her and Jamie also learn that Salamander's assistant, Faria, is forced to work for Salamander, and she wishes secretly to be rid of him. Together, and with Astrid in disguise, they devise a plan to save Dinesh, but it goes horribly wrong and he is killed. The group is captured, and Salamander learns he has an imposter. Can we talk about how surprisingly good Jamie is as an undercover agent? Yeah, I know. What the fuck, Jamie? <laughs> he suddenly grew a brain in the last five minutes, and he's just, like, really good at covert espionage. <laughs> I know. I was I was thinking that, too, watching this episode. I was like, man, I was like, Jamie's usually, like, great, but also incompetent. Yeah. But he's, like, really good at subterfuge in this episode. Yeah. He just, like, improvs and, like, lot, like thinks of great lies, like, right in the moment. Yeah. Because unlike in the Faceless Ones, where he like was like giving everything away, like, what about the TARDIS? What about that? He actually knows how to not reveal information when he's talking to Bruce. Yeah, like Bruce calls him out and he's like, what are you doing here? How long have you been a member of uh, Salamander's Guard? Jamie's just like, well, maybe you should ask yourself why it is that Salamander never bothered to tell you. Well done, Jamie. Well done. Good, good, good cover. Good job, Jamie. Golf clap all around. <laughs> and then... They have the brilliant idea to send Victoria into the kitchen, even though she's a noble girl, and I imagine she never actually went into the kitchen in her house. <laughs> this is the first time she's been in a kitchen. Which is great, because they actually make it a bit. Yeah, like, this a frying pan? Am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, because, like, gr- so, like, the head cook, Griff, Again, amazing. This man is a treasure. He's great. He's like asking, he's like, oh, he's like, so you like food, huh? Well, tell me some of your favorite things. And she's like, oh, yes. Well, I like this duck thing and pudding and this special bread. And he's like, well, how do you make it? And she's like, you just sort of mush it all together. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, incredible. Amazing. Yeah, he's like, thanks. It's really helpful. I really appreciate it. And it's funny because he's just like constantly talking about how his his cooking is shit and he's probably going to get killed for it tonight because and because everyone's going to hate it. And then they taste it and they're like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> he's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> he's like, oh, I burnt this. He's like, I burnt this all to hell. He's like, they'll take me out back for this. <laughs> I love him. Uh, but he, he actually has one moment where like he's like making something and he's like, they're going to kill me for this one. He's like, and he looks at me and he's like, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> he's like, it's so good. They wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One of my, it's a little bit further off, but one of my notes is Griff is such a fucking mood. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Griff is my fucking spirit animal. He needs to be the next companion. I agree. I, I know. I saw him as a companion. Mate, Griff, a comp- Griff was the companion who never left, and he was just there. He's like, he's like, oh, I thought you weren't coming back this time. I thought I was gonna have to off myself. I'd be like, oh my god, Griff, Griff is always on the TARDIS, and he should stay there forever. He's just, he's just the ship's cook. He's like you. He never bothers to actually get off the TARDIS. He's like, ah, nah, it's fine. I, I've seen it all before. <laughs> There's nothing new out there for me. <laughs> that being said. Time to bring it to bring it down several notches because uh, Victoria is describing this dessert 
that uh, she used to have at home all the time is used like orange peels and almonds and whipped cream and uh and she's like describing this dessert and i was like that sounds absolutely delicious and i'm kind of sad that she doesn't get a chance to have it because a it does sound delicious and b she probably wanted a taste of home because she misses her dad (laughs) oh my god mac why did you make it depressing (laughs) well i mean i'm over here (laughs) high on life talking about my man griff (laughs) and you gotta hit me with this like emotional subtext i mean it's there i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ignore the subtext it goes against everything i've been i've been have graved into my blood (laughs) by ball state university i can't ignore the subtext you need to appreciate the macro text of griff is king (laughs) and nothing else matters because that's what i thought the whole time every time griff was on screen it's like everything else going on is irrelevant right now (laughs) i have to just appreciate griff Oh, and then another one of the, is he a security guard? Benick. Is Benick a security guard? He's like Salamander's assistant. Yeah. But anyway, Salamander's assistant, Benick, uh, tracks down Kent and Kent like hides the doctor. And they're, they're just like in this little trailer. And uh, Benick comes with a couple of guards and he just like nods knowingly to the guard and the guard nods back and then the guard goes over and like opens up the cupboards and just like smashes all of his plates and cups and i'm like ha, 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 let's see you try and stay here without any plateware i'm like is this is this the best intimidation you can do i'm sure he can like go out and buy paper plates or something Oh, uh, the best part of that, because I also laughed at that, but the best part was, like, Kent seemed, like, actually kind of devastated. <laughs> that was the good China! That was my grandmother's. <laughs> um, we gotta talk about Benick for a second. I I wrote him in my note when he first appears on screen is discount Jim Carrey. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> he looks a lot like Jim Carrey with the just most fucking disastrous, egregious haircut. Yeah. It ex- I don't even know how to describe it. It, d- it genuinely looks like his mom cut it for him this morning. It's like a sci-fi mullet. It's like a sci-fi mullet meets bull cut. Oh, yeah. It's it's egregious. You can tell he's evil because he has a bad haircut. Uh, but also, I was going to say, to discount Jim Carrey's credit, my God, he sold it. He did sell it. He is an absolute worm. I absolutely fucking love Benick as a villain. Yeah, no. Again, I don't like Benick as a person, but he's a well-written character. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's great. He just kind of owns it every time he comes in. He's got this, like, very cool, smug demeanor that never wavers. And he looks like such a lizard. Like, he is he is the epitome. When you think slime ball and you think of a human being, that's Benick. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, oh, I think his name is Worm in Lord of the Rings. Wormtongue. Yeah, Wormtongue, that's right. Yeah. Kind of look, does kind of look like him. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of acts like him, too. I, w- I would cast this man to play uh, Grima Wormtongue in an adaptation of Lord of the Rings. But then, the, really, the only other thing that happens in this episode is, like, Faria kind of, like, expresses to Victoria and Jamie that she hates Salamander and would like to betray him. And then Astrid appears, and they plan on saving Dinesh, and then just royally fuck it up. Yeah. Again, what's what's the other guy's name? Not, not Dinesh, but the guy that... Fedoran, the bald guy? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Victoria is bringing Dinesh his, his food, and, um, Fedoran, uh, stops her and 
tells her to go go get some salt because he's she's forgotten salt after he like pocketed the salt and then she runs off and he is like looming over uh his food and Fedorin opens up the box that has the poison in it and then it cuts to something else and then it cuts back to victoria bringing dinesh's food he starts preparing his plate and it's like a dramatic musical sting on the plate and then he like starts eating and then immediately cuts to Fedorin with Salamander saying he couldn't do it and I'm like we could have held the tension just a little bit longer just just a smidge longer we could have held the tension that maybe he just got poisoned you think so I actually really liked it the episode does a couple of times where like it's kind of like building up to something and it's like a hard cut that like kind of like moves the story and like transitions from that that I really like there's also just a lot to do in this episode. True. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, at this point, at least, I, I don't know. It kind of worked for me because uh, I, I got the tension because like there's like they're fucking talking the whole time. for this. That scene where Dinesh is like preparing his food is like three or four minutes. Yeah. Because he also makes the guard cut his food. So it's, it's all this tension of like, well, I was like, we, we know the food is poisoned and we're just waiting for Dinesh to fucking eat it. And there's like this whole last conversation like. Get to the fucking point already. Eat the food and die. <laughs> and then it cuts to Fedoran couldn't do it. And then Salamander poisons him with the same thing. Yeah. I was like, Fedoran, you fucking idiot. You deserve this. I don't even know what to tell you. That was my note too. Because he was just like, I'm sorry, Salamander. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. Here, give me the poison. He's like, I, I, I totally forgive you, my friend. It's okay. He's like, oh, thank you. Would you like some wine? Sure. Here you go. <laughs> Like, are you fucking stupid? You just handed him the poison. <laughs> God. I know. When it happened, I was like, you just deserve it. I don't even know what to tell you at this point. If you're dumb enough to hand someone poison and then get poisoned, you just deserve it. And may- maybe this is what you were talking about earlier. There's another really jarring edit here because hell's breaking loose. I know exactly what you're talking about. Ast- Astrid and uh, Nemesh are running away. Victoria and Jamie... Jamie's created a distraction outside. Uh, Victoria is uh, fighting off the guards in order to help them get away. But then Demish gets Demish gets shot. Victoria tries to run away. And one of the guards says, arrest that girl. And I swear, before he's even done saying the word girl, it hard cuts to Victoria and Jamie just like arrested in front of Salamander. And I legitimately yep. thought that like my DVD was broken. I thought, oh, shit, did it just skip? <laughs> so I went on BritBox to look up that episode in that moment. I was like, nope, that was just really weird fucking editing. <laughs> yep, nope. Uh, one of the moments where, like, the hard cut didn't work because, like, it, it, it did. It just looked like a mistake. It did. <laughs> they're, like, pushing a cart, and the guy's like, arrest the girl, and then, like, boom. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you thought you could get away? I was like, we even see the end of that sequence. Yeah, no kidding. We did not see her get captured. Yeah, that was one of my few quibbles about this story at large. Was like the editing in that moment was which bad. Like man, if we can nitpick that narrowly, trying to find something to complain about, that's a good fucking episode. (laughs) It's true. Like if we're getting like this specific about like "Eh, the cut right here was weird. (laughs) Yeah, overall good episode. And then otherwise, Bruce has a conversation with salamander being like well like i talked to you at kent's cottage the other day and he's like what are you talking about i was in kent in months yeah and then and my last note is oh look the flimsy deception just fell over how did that happen how did it happen yeah i got no more notes if you're ready to go into episode four let's do it episode four 
Esther escapes and contacts Giles while Salamander's assistant Benick tracks her. He learns that Faria intends to help Esther get proof of Salamander's deeds back to Kent and the Doctor. The Doctor wants more proof that Salamander is evil while Kent tries to convince him to use his appearance to try and assassinate him. Jamie and Victoria are held captive by Salamander. However, Esther and Faria escape, though Faria is killed as she is pursued by Benick and the guards. After scolding his assistant, Salamander retreats to the records room and uses a secret elevator to go down to a secret bunker. There, a group of prisoners work at machines. Salamander appears and tells them that the radiation on the surface is still too high for them to safely leave. He has created this elaborate ruse to hold people hostage and use the machines to create natural disasters, with them believing it will help restore the earth and make it safe to inhabit. On the surface, Kent, the Doctor, and Astrid prepare to travel to the station when Bruce enters. Okay, I know it's a little bit further into the episode, so we haven't really gotten there yet, but can I just say, I- No, we gotta talk about the twist. I did not what fucking see fuck? that coming. <laughs> that was, that was crazy. I was like, wait, what? What happened? What? What's going on? Yeah, first off, like, first off, the editing for him going down to the bunker is great. Yeah. I think I think for a TV show on like you know still not a movie budget like him and going like down this very long shaft and like the way they simulated like the sh- like the tube like shaking I thought that was all very well done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he goes down and there's just all these people working at these machines and like he like falls out of the tube in like a different outfit in like a jumpsuit and like he's acting like he's about to die yeah and like the the jumpsuit is like is like singed as if he's just been like. Ah, he's been like attacked burned or yeah. something like that yeah it's jarring in the best of ways yeah because you're just like what the fuck but bef- before we get all get to all that does it seem i mean i have a couple of theories as to why not but it doesn't but does it seem a little weird that the doctor is so hesitant to take down salamander i feel like he's he's jumped at taking down villains for less you know He's definitely been like that with villains he has known or for people that he has suspected, but he's kind of just stumbled in this situation. And to his credit, Kent is just kind of telling him that Salamander is bad because because he feels like he is. Yeah. And the doctor's like, well, I don't really have any reason at all to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he even comments like on the thing, like on the video of like, you know, them wanting to stop the natural disasters and do all this relief and all that. He's like, well, he doesn't seem like a bad guy to me. Yeah. My most prominent theory, though, is that he doesn't want to be part of a uh, he doesn't want to be a part of a plot to assassinate Salamander because he doesn't want to ruin such a pretty face. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't want to destroy something so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Keep in mind that, like, the doctor isn't as informed as we, the audience, are on how bad Salamander is. It's true. Because spoilers, Salamander is as bad as Kent says he is. True. And we'll get into that more later. But... From what the doctor has seen, he doesn't really have any reason to think that. That's fair. And remember, it's not aliens, so the doctor detests violence. <laughs> yes, I forgot. I don't even know what specifically I was talking about, but it could be anything here. Um, I make the note of Astrid's awesome. Can she be a companion? Yeah, I mean, Astrid's just great. She's She is like one of Charlie's fucking angels in this episode. She is kicking ass and, and, sh- and winning in shootouts and just... And again, I cannot emphasize this enough, those pants are doing everything for her yeah no astrid is phenomenal yeah i that's really all i need to say about it everything else you think i feel about it yes she reminds me of i feel like this is probably what sarah kingdom from the dalek master plan was 
probably like if we could have seen her. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but yeah, she does. She just kicks ass. She just beats people up and takes their guns and threatens to kill everyone and then makes all the plans while Kent just kind of stands around and complains about Salamander. <laughs> yeah. Astrid's great. Uh, Faria is great, too, until she dies. But even then, she dies like a boss bitch. She has <laughs> such a fucking... Oh, man. Benick is just, like, trying to trying his best to get as much information out of her as he can and, like, threatening to, like, torture and everything. And her dying words are, and I quote, I can only die once, and someone's already beaten you to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> I know, for real, MVP. <laughs> oh, man. And then suddenly this episode just turns into Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> Salamander goes down to uh, Vault 218 or something like that. And uh, they're like, how are things on the nuclear ravaged surface? It's like, oh, they're awful. They're awful. Uh, keep making natural disasters. <laughs> and all of this is absolutely mind-blowing. I did not see this plot twist coming, which again, first time that we've had an episode where I did not see plot twists coming because this is just the first one and that but all of that can be absolutely pushed to the side because there's a girl down here named mary and she's beautiful <laughs> she's a queen she is absolutely gorgeous and i love her <laughs> yeah no i love i love them her and colin are yeah, we'll get into them, actually. I have thoughts on them, but I'll save that for later. Yeah, they're more in the next episode, I think. But yes, but Mary is the third and final babe. She looks like the actress who played Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, she does. I think the reason I'm kind of into her is because she has, like, bags under her eyes. Like, she hasn't slept <laughs> in weeks. I'm really into you that. You are into reason. that for some reason. <laughs> have you watched much of uh, Kaguya-sama? Mm-mm. Mac is trying to turn me into a certified weeb. I'm working on it. But uh, my last note is uh, Mary is hot as hell. So we're, I'm ready to go into episode five whenever you are. Yeah, Mary is hot. And then there's this other guy, Colin, who like really aggressively wants to go to the surface uh, and gets his wish in the next episode. Episode or no, I'm sorry. The episode after that. Yes. <laughs> we're only in episode five. Bruce tries to arrest everyone, but Astrid quickly grabs a gun and holds him hostage. The doctor takes the gun from her and hands it back to Bruce. In this act, he has earned the man's trust, and Bruce agrees to take him to the station and let the doctor pose as Salamander, on the condition that Kent and Astrid stay where they are. Underground, Salamander unloads food for his prisoners, and he is questioned by a man named Colin about wanting to go to the surface. Another man, Swan, discovers a newspaper clipping and confronts Salamander about it. He agrees to take the man to the surface so he can see how it really is, and the announcement angers Colin. Benek tries to interrogate Jamie and Victoria, but the pair refuse to comply in any way. He leaves the room when Salamander appears, and the doctor quickly reveals himself when Victoria threatens him. The real Salamander leads Swan through a cave system, and then attacks him when the man isn't looking. Astrid and Kent devise a plan to escape and make their way to the station. On the way out, Astrid finds Swan crawling out of a hole. He tells her that Salamander attacked him. One of the guards with, um, I keep wanting to call him Duke, and I don't know why. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce, thank you. The single syllable name that has ooh in it. I keep wanting to call him Duke. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, one of the guards that's with Bruce sucks because Astrid just pushes him over and took his gun and then he didn't like get back up. <laughs> he was just like, well, <laughs> guess I'm down here now. 
And it's like, I've just been overpowered. I, I can't stand up. I certainly hope she doesn't step on me with her heels. That would be terrible. No, Astrid is amazing. Just uh, takes charge. I mean, I thought she was just going to shoot Bruce. So did I. <laughs> She's got that vibe about her. But uh, yeah, she just takes control of the situation. And then the doctor uh, tries to show his like good faith by giving the gun back to Bruce, which I guess I understand. But I feel like it was a 50-50. This is either going to work or it's going to blow up in my face, quite literally. It was 100% a coin flip. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine that the doctor does these coin flips and he's just like, ah, it's fine. I'll, I'll just regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I won't die. Everyone else might but I'll be fine. They're unloading the food f- down in the bunker. Um, and one of the things they unloaded was milk. And I was like, uh, guys, according to the lies that Salamander has been feeding you, uh, that milk has been up on the surface, the irradiated surface for the past five years. I wouldn't trust that milk if I were you. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I was like, well, I was like, okay. I was like, I guess he's bringing out like, canned food and stuff. And then they open it. And it's like milk. Be careful. It's glass. I was like, what the fuck? Milk is like the last thing you would have. Period. Yeah. Rad milk. <laughs> that alone should have been. Forget forget the uh, forget the newspaper clipping. That should have been the first first uh, key to everyone being like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, but then Swan discovers the newspaper clipping, and the clipping is about some sort of, like, holiday boat or something. It's like, they want to have holidays in the fucking post-apocalypse. Yeah. Swan's just like, I don't trust you, Salamander. And he's like, okay, well, what if I bring you up to the surface where no one around can hear you scream? I agree to your terms, Salamander. Like, (laughs) Swan. Swan. Dude. Dude, buddy guy. You're an idiot. He's obviously gonna kill you, Swan. <laughs> a man who's spent years lying to you to do secret machinery stuff is obviously gonna kill you when you find that out. Right? And then, I do kind of like this scene, because Bruce wants proof that Salamander is corrupt just as much as the Doctor does, because it's implied in previous episodes that Bruce is starting to doubt what Salamander is saying. Um, and so the Doctor enters into the meeting room where Jamie and Victoria were captured, pretending to be salamander and he like grills them as salamander to have them give bruce all the information because if he comes in as the doctor that defeats the credibility of their testimonies and uh the doctor just seemed like he was enjoying it just a little bit too much just messing with jamie and victoria but that does lead to victoria just absolutely willing to throw fucking hands with salamander because she's just like about ready to clock him <laughs> i know she has like her fist cocked back and everything and then the doctor goes oh, it's, me. It's, me, it's me it's me it's me it's me um and they're like prove it and so then he starts miming playing the recorder and then he says but you made me leave it on the tardis and my note is oh it must be the doctor no one else would think of such a stupid way to prove themselves <laughs> If tell me if I was the doctor, would I make a face like this? <laughs> <laughs> My next note is Bruce Willis. That's what Giles looks. That's what Giles reminds me of. He looks like Bruce Willis. Oh yeah, he kind of does, doesn't he? Yeah. And then uh, Benick enters the room, or Benick goes and talks to the guard outside the records room that the real Salamander has not left yet, and more or less learns that the doctor just fucking lied to him mm-hmm. yeah 
Because again, it's a very flimsy deception. The flimsiest of deceptions. Then really, the only other thing that happens is like, Salamander is like, yes, here's the cave system I used to get to the surface. Say, look over there. Oh, wow, a lead pipe. Let me beat you to death with it. <laughs> just like that uh, <laughs> that meme of the cat in the hat just like coming towards him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, uh, oh, the other thing too is like Astrid and Kent devise a plan to leave. And man, Salamander's guards just fucking they suck at suck. No, no wonder Jamie was a welcome addition. <laughs> because Astrid like screams and like the guard comes in and Kent is like, on the table with like blood coming out of his head she screams and they like smash one of the windows so it looks like he's been shot someone shot him through the window and the guy like gets in ken's face and looks down at him he's like yeah they sure did and then they go out to like look for the guy and extra leaves and then ken just gets up and wipes like ketchup off his head yeah it's like guard you cannot be that fucking incompetent yeah again i'm starting to see why salamander was so eager to have jamie join his ranks but also, ACAB, you're a cop. I'm not that surprised. <laughs> yeah, and then Salamander proves just direct murder isn't really his style. He usually has people murdered for him or he does poisoning because, like, dude, you had him at your mercy. You should have just bashed his brain in. But apparently you just knocked him once and like, all right, well, time to go home. Just roughed him up a little bit. <laughs> it's like, ah, the cable finished the job for me. <laughs> Cave, poison this man. Because, <laughs> yeah, because he crawls out and, like, Astrid finds him. And he's like, Salamander tried to kill me. Yeah. Tried being the operative word there. <laughs> he's such a little bitch. Um, again, it seems like we're, we really don't have that many notes for this episode. But I cannot emphasize enough just how much this fucking episode moves along. More than any other episode. Go watch this one. <laughs> It just moves at a good clip, and, like, it's just kind of enjoyable to watch. Like, the plot twists are surprising, and the characters are, like, good, and the dialogue is fine. Yeah. Really not a whole lot to complain about, really, at all. Mm -hmm. So, I, I've, unless you have more notes, I'm ready for episode six. Now, let's wrap this baby up. Let's wrap her up. Swan tells Astrid that Salamander attacked him in the cave system, and he tells her about all the people held hostage by him. He makes her swear to save them before dying. The Doctor and his companions continue to try to convince Bruce of Salamander's plans, and they turn to see Benick there. Benick pretends to be oblivious, even though he knows the Doctor is an imposter. Bruce agrees to help the Doctor get into the records room. Astra makes her way down to the secret bunker, and is shocked at what she finds. She agrees to take Holland and Mary with her to the surface to confront Salamander. Kent sneaks into the records room, ready to confront the man himself. When he finds him, Kent pulls a gun and accosts the man for cutting him out of their plans. The man reveals himself as the doctor, and Kent plans on killing him. Astrid appears with Colin and Mary, telling him that they have told her everything. Kent holds them at gunpoint and makes his way down the shaft, where he plans on setting off mines and killing everyone. Down in the shaft, he encounters the real Salamander, who kills him. In a final act of defiance, Kent detonates the mines and blows up the station. The Doctor and everyone else barely make it out with their lives, and Astrid says she must stay behind and save the people in the bunker. Back on the TARDIS, Jamie sees the Doctor stumbling and bleeding, and leads him inside. However, he grows suspicious when the man asks him to pilot the TARDIS. That's when the real Doctor appears and a fight breaks out. The TARDIS is activated with the door still open, and Salamander is thrown out into the void between space and time, as everyone else holds on for their own lives. Which is such a fucking metal way to go. Oh, I know. Oh, we'll get to it, but the last scene, last scene is, is so fucking, fucking good. Amazing. One thing you did 
you did neglect to mention in your recap was the fact that Kent was the one who brought everyone down into the bunker. I know we were gonna get to it. We were gonna you talk didn't about mention it. it, so I just wanted to make sure. I just I, I got put. No, there, there's a lot to go over in this episode, actually. Yeah, there is. I love how when Astrid goes down into the bunker, and everyone's scared of her because they think that she's heavily radiated. And when she tells, when she's trying to tell them to listen, they all like grab sticks and bats and stuff, and like begin assaulting her. And I was just like, "Yeah, let's beat the radiation out of her." <laughs> <laughs> That'll fix it. And th- okay, and then again, this this episode is throwing me so many through so many loops because Kent gets into the records room and he's confronted by someone who, at the very least is talking like Salamander. And I was like, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know who this is. I don't know if this is Salamander or the Doctor. (laughs) That's what makes it such a good scene, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so Kent reveals that, like, he and Salamander devised this plan to, like, put the people in the bunker to do testing on nuclear stuff and then lied to them about, like, a nuclear apocalypse war. Yeah. Uh, and use them to create the natural disasters because they were both going to consolidate power this way. And then Salamander just kind of cut him out of it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all been revenge the whole time. Which I think, in a subtext way, was very well implied. Because Kent didn't care about the evidence. He's like, it doesn't matter. Just trust me. Salamander's got to go. Yeah. He wasn't showing the doctor any evidence because if he did, it would incriminate himself. Yep. So I thought that was very well done uh, because I, I I was getting suspicious of Kent. I was like, there's something about this guy. He just really wants Salamander to be dead. I feel like it's personal. Yeah, I, I was like, there's definitely something up here. I just don't know what it is. But like his full on betrayal, I, I did not see it coming. Yeah, it was very good. And then uh, unfortunately, Benick like really gets sidelined in this episode. I don't even remember what happens to Benick. Exactly. <laughs> because he kind of comes in and like he's getting suspicious. And then at one point he confronts Bruce and Bruce is just like, shut up. <laughs> that's true. And then that's it. And then Benick just kind of stands there the rest of the episode. Because doesn't Benick like pull out a gun to like shoot Bruce with and Bruce just like grabs it and pockets it and says yeah, no. Bruce just takes it from him. <laughs> you can have this back later. <laughs> no bad. No touch. And then Kent and Salamander have their their confrontation in the mines. And man, Salamander's aim sucks because he's like point blank and he like shoots him on like the wrong side of the chest. He just shoots him in the shoulder, in the right shoulder. I'm like, he's right fucking there, dude. See, I kind of took it as like, yeah, Salamander's aim sucks. But I also kind of felt like he was like reveling in it. Like he like he wanted to enjoy killing Kent. That is true. He Because Kent runs away and he just like starts sauntering towards him (laughs) (laughs) the conversation is great the conflict like it's really really satisfying to watch yeah their relationship has been kind of built up the whole time and now there's like this big payoff moment and it actually kind of delivers yeah strangely enough it's fucking go watch this story it's great it really is this moment is awesome and then kent Gets shot again. I was like, God, man, a lot of fucking people get killed in this episode. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, it is awesome. And then in the final act of defiance, he like pulls down the lever that blows up the mine. Mm-hmm. And spoiler, Salamander somehow survives. Not entirely clear on how it is he survived. But it's fine. And then it comes into, these are my other big complaints of the episode. It's at this moment I realized I needed a little bit more. 
just a little. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Because Astrid just kind of disappears because she's like, I, after everything blows up, she's like, I have to go save the people in the bunker. And just kind of fucks off. Mary and Colin are just kind of gone. And I thought at least Colin was going to be a companion. Mm. I can see Colin as a companion. Colin would make great companion with companion material you know because like he kind of has the desire to go out and see everything he wants adventure in the great wide somewhere yeah now i get it yeah yeah and he's the first companion where i'd be like okay you don't just have stockholm syndrome like the doctor didn't just like fucking kidnap you from wherever you were <laughs> yeah uh so like him wanting to have adventures and like go and do whatever it is he does with the doctor i'd be like that's actually the first believable companion to me and we didn't fucking get it yeah but then and then we get then we get to the end Oh, we get to end. this this fucking great scene because just like a very hurt a very hurt patrick troughton is making his way to the tardis and jamie just comes out and he's like i thought you'd never make it and he, he's just like uh he's like clearly disoriented um and he's like here i'll help you in and at this point you're like that's obviously salamander <laughs> and he's brought to the TARDIS console and he's just like still just like so woozy and he's like indicating that Jamie should do it without saying anything because the doctor has heard Salamander speak so he was able to practice imitating him Salamander has not heard the doctor speak so he has no idea mm-hmm. um, which I think is just a, a nice tiny little detail <laughs> yes so he's there, and the doctor and Jamie's like, "Well, like, go ahead, like, get us out of here." And like, he goes to reach for the controls, and he's like, and he kind of like waves at Jamie to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie starts there, and he's like, "Wait, you said to never touch the controls. You never let me drive." <laughs> and then the doctor throws the doors open, and the TARDIS goes, and he goes, "I didn't, Jamie." <laughs> or rather, I did. I did say that, Jamie. Yeah, and then. <sighs> And then it's just like this really cool showdown, like this, this face off between both of them because the salamander is like, well, you've been imitating me for so long. I thought I'd give it a try. <laughs> and then they just like <laughs> wrestle each other and uh, and salamander like pushes the doctor down into the TARDIS console. And the special effect, I'm sure, was probably mind blowing at the time, where it's just like two Patrick Troutons on screen at the same time, like facing each other in the same shot. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, like, literally face-to-face. And, yeah, like, doing that kind of, like, split-screen effect, like, for filming at this time, not easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's just that he just dies in the most metal fucking way, where he just, like, the doctor just, like, presses a button, and the doors fly open, and he gets dragged out into the into the time vortex and just, ah! <laughs> It's so... And then the episode just fucking ends on just that note. I was like, stops. great. <laughs> Incredible. Absolutely. And now, for the first time, and I think ever, beyond like just being excited to like do the podcast, I'm actually excited to watch the next episode. <laughs> right? It's like, I want to know what happens next. I love it. I love it. I, I, I have nothing else to say other than I love it. <laughs> yeah, goddamn. This, the, uh, again, it, it was just a good story. Yeah, I really don't know what else to say. Goddamn. Uh, let's go on to trivia, I guess. Uh, this is the second time that there was a character that was played by the actor who plays the doctor. Uh, the first time was the Abbot in the Massacre, but we didn't actually get to see that one because it was an audio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Troughton's son, David, plays a guard, and so does Fraser Hines' cousin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I already mentioned the Mary Peach thing, and that's basically all I've got for trivia. Final thoughts. <laughs> Um, this is the best episode yet. Yeah. The characters were great and all very 
distinct and interesting. It moved along at an incredibly good clip. Mm-hmm. It kind of got its general premise there and like made the central plot around the science fiction theme, and which is very well executed. I thought seeing Patrick Troughton play a villain and the Doctor was really awesome. God, God damn, it was just good. My complaints about it are very minute and also the total opposite of all my other criticisms, and I just wanted more of it. I yeah. just like, it should have just been a pinch longer. Yeah. After discussing it, I discreetly went into my rankings and put it at the top. Um, it is my favorite second doctor episode. I think it'll be very hard to beat. Yes, I think so too. I'm not sure if it's my favorite Doctor Who episode so far yet. I might have to rewatch Dalek Invasion of Earth to just to double check. But the fact that I'm not sure if it's beaten Dalek Invasion of Earth or not says a lot. <laughs> it is if it's not the best, it's a very close second in my eyes. It has handily beaten every other episode. I mean, like, there's a wide for me, there's a wide berth between the enemy of the world and every other Doctor Who episode <laughs> so far. Which is also how I felt about the war machine. So there's very wide berth between the enemy of the world and the war machines. And there's a wide berth between the war machines and every other episode of Doctor <laughs> Who in existence. Anything else that I have, we basically already covered. Uh, Patrick Troughton was amazing as the Doctor, as Salamander, as the Doctor pretending to be Salamander, and as Salamander pretending to be the Doctor. Yep, all of it great. It had plot twists I did not see coming, and that genuinely gives it just an A at the very at the very minimum. Every side character was well written, which again I don't think has happened before, and. Yeah, I'm keeping track of both of our top fives and bottom fives because I figured at the end we could then just like list our top five and bottom fives of the entire series. And I think this one may end up being on the list. I'm I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely see this being a contender for overall favorites. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just great. I have nothing else to say. Yeah. And like just raw footage raw recording we're at um an hour and 25 minutes ish and i'm genuinely surprised because i'm like in the mood of like i just i want to talk about it some more (laughs) i feel like i feel like there's just so much to it i'm just like i just want to i don't want this podcast episode to end because i just want to keep talking about how cool enemy the world is no i totally agree totally agree i will absolutely sing this episode's praises and anyone who says i'm curious about watching Classic Doctor Who, I will kick into their door and throw this episode in their face like a ninja star. (laughs) Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is like it and give it five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. You can follow Mac and I there as well. You can follow Mac at MacTheMeh and me at CLB underscore Clark. You can also follow Mac's YouTube channel, also called MacTheMeh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we meet one of the series' most iconic characters for the first time in The Web of Fear. My brother is um, calling me right now. He can wait. 
He can wait. I'm more important. I'm your brother. <laughs> We're recording a podcast, goddammit.